Hello and welcome to podcast number 22 here at the Voice of the Arts with your host, yours truly, Joe Weber. Today's podcast will begin with a wonderful piece written back in 2008 by novelist George Saunders, who teaches creative writing at Syracuse University. It was written during a time of a flurry of silly movies and TV shows about all sorts of people with superpowers. I guess we're still in that time. Giving fictional characters superpowers pretty much guarantees that your story will have precious little character development because character is born out of our limitations. In the words of poet Diane Wachowski, learning to live with what you're born with is the making of a life. The following humor piece is called Anti-Heroes. It was written by George Saunders and appeared in The New Yorker on June 23, 2008. Anti-Heroes. I just had a great idea for a TV show. People from all over the world begin to sense they have superpowers. One guy can fly. Another guy can walk through walls. A cheerleader is impervious to physical harm. A kid can move back and forth in time. You get the idea. Normal people, sick and tired of living under constraint, are busting out into a world without limits. But here's the twist. These people who believe they have superpowers, they don't. They never have and never will. There is no such thing as a superpower. The guy who thinks he can fly jumps off his minivan and sprains his ankle. The one who can walk through walls tries to run through the living room wall and breaks a photograph of his wife's mother. His wife is really upset. The cheerleader, impervious to physical harm, throws herself down a flight of stairs, breaks her back, then lies there waiting for it to miraculously mend. But no. The cat steps over her. So much for cheerleading. The kid who thinks he can move back and forth through time decides to exit a math test early by time transporting himself back to Mozart's Vienna. He tries and tries so hard that he finally farts really loudly. The other kids crack up. He tries then to time transport himself back to the instant before the fart so he can withhold the fart, but no. He tries so hard he farts again. The classroom just dissolves into uncontrollable laughter. Even the teacher drops her head to her desk, her shoulders heaving. A housewife who can cause objects to levitate destroys the family aquarium. An elderly woman whose superpower is that she can speak telepathically to animals gets bit by a squirrel. When using her mind, she asks the squirrel why. It bites her again, then dashes up a tree. A Virginia boy whose superpower is that he can throw a wad of paper into his trash can misses 16 times in a row. Even when he goes right up to the can and drops the wad directly down, it hits the edge and drops into his gym shoe. Maybe that's my superpower, he thinks. Whenever I throw a wad of paper, it lands in my gym shoe. He throws a wad of paper out the door of his room to see if it will boomerang back and land in one of his gym shoes. But no. His octogenarian grandfather is just then hobbling by, and the wad of paper hits him in the side of the head. He's so old he doesn't even notice, just keeps hobbling. His superpower is he can make it to the bathroom on time whenever he likes. Down the block, more disappointment. Kenny Dennis stands outside the home of Amelia St. Laurent, trying to gaze through her bedroom wall, but no. All he can see is the wall. 
Then he gets stung by a wasp. He kills the wasp with his shoe. Then, ah, geez, here comes Amelia herself, face all scrunched up because she's trying to burst into flame. But no, she's only succeeding in giving herself a big migraine. And why the hell is Kenny Dennis standing there with his shoe in his hand? Just then, an arrow enters Kenny's hip, fired by Fred Lowry, whose superpower is he can fire an arrow in any direction whatsoever but still hit the bullseye on a target set up over at the high school via directing the arrow's course with his mind. Lowry's hightailing it up the street, red-faced, bow under his arm when he's struck by an omni driven by the blindfolded Leonard Metz, whose superpower is he has a tiny, functioning eye in each fingertip. Soon, in a plot twist, people begin losing even their normal abilities. A Japanese woman forgets how to speak Japanese. A Texas mother forgets how to chew and that her kids are supposed to wear pants. Her husband also loses an essential ability he's always had, which is, whenever he wants to have an affair, he just has it. It's like he totally forgets he's married. After these affairs, he manifests a secondary ability. Forgets he's had the affair. Doesn't feel the slightest bit guilty. Today he goes out, has an affair, but right in the middle he remembers he's married. Lori's a nice girl. Why must he always do her wrong? Sexually, he performs not so great. His partner is also sad. Her superpower is, whenever she has a sleazy affair, the guy's always at least adequate in the sack. When he gets home, Lori's at the table, mouthful of chips. The kids are running around the yard in their underwear. What gives? No wonder he cheats on Lori. Nothing anywhere is getting done. There's great fear in the air. What fools we were to take our basic abilities for granted. How wonderful life was back when we still knew how to drive cars, button shirts, call for takeout, paint a series of watercolors depicting various views of our summer house, find our damn summer house in the first place. The entire population of Earth just stumbles around, slowly starving to death, and or perishing of thirst, and or dying of sunburn, or of walking right up to and petting a tiger in the wild, and so forth. An absolute apocalypse of ineptitude. In this way, my TV show is like life, where people's abilities always fall short of their hopes and aspirations, and the extent of their love. This will be great for ratings. It will make my show relatable. The first season ends like this. We zoom down into a lonely room. There sits a guy who has lost an ability he's always had, can easily find a pithy way to end a comic piece of writing. He's been up all night revising the bastard, trying to find a decent ending, but nothing's coming. His face a contorted mask of desperation. We zoom in closer. His eyes are filled with utter insanity. It used to be so easy for him. How is he going to get out of this? Wait, he's got it, for sure. Holy cow, he's done it. Not only has he come up with a killer ending, he's broken the downward spiral of incompetence infecting all mankind. He'll finish the piece, then rush out to tell the others. You can break free as I have broken free with my miraculous ending. Yes, life is full of trouble, but we are walking miracles, able to rise above any... Wait a second, that ending... Actually, now that he thinks about it, it doesn't exactly, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Unless he, no, still doesn't work. Crap. He swears aloud, tears the page from his typewriter, is about to rip it into halves, then quarters, then eighths, and throw it into the air and laugh maniacally as it falls around him like snow. But then he realizes he's forgotten how to tear paper, throw paper, or laugh maniacally. 
He turns back to the typewriter. Woe is us, he intends to type. Woe's ass, he types. Then he bursts into tears, an ability that apparently is one of the last a human being ever loses. been this close before never been so easy or so slow i've been shooting in the dark too long when something's not right it's wrong you're gonna make me loads when you go dragon clouds so high above i've only known careless love it always has hit me from below but this time round it's more correct right on target so direct you're gonna make me loads Purple clover, queen and lace, crimson hair across your face. You can make me cry if you don't know. Can't remember what I was thinking of. You might be spoiling me too much, love. You're gonna make me lonesome when you go. Flowers on the hillside, blooming crazy. Crickets talking back and forth in rhyme. Blue River running slow and lazy I could stay with you forever And never realize the time Situations have ended sad Relationships have all been bad Mine have been like Belaine's and Rambo But there's no way I can compare All them scenes to this affair You're gonna make me lonesome when you go You're gonna make me wonder what I'm doing Staying far behind without you You're gonna make me wonder what I'm saying You're gonna make me give myself a good talking to I look for you in old Honolulu San Francisco or Ashtabula You're gonna have to leave me now I know But I see you in the sky above And the tall grass and the ones I love You're gonna make me lonesome when you go
coffee And you can rest your shoes And you can tell me them sweet lies And I'll listen to you For I'm just a little part of All the life you've lived But I'd rather have a little bit of trouble Than to never know the love you give Hello, trouble Come on in You talk about heartaches Where in the world it been I ain't had the misery Since you've been gone Hello, trouble, trouble, trouble Welcome home Bob Dylan with You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go, followed by Buck Owens and Hello Trouble. The young today are so digitally astute, they probably can avoid the horrors of the maze of voicemail that we baby boomers must periodically endure. This call may be monitored to ensure that any intimacy between you and our representatives is kept to a minimum. Press or say 3 if you've dialed this number by accident. Press or say 4. If you've dialed this number by accident, but would still like to chat with one of our representatives, press or say five if you're interested in converting your South Air miles to something of tangible value, like a mouse pad or coffee mug. Press or say six if you forgot why you called in the first place. Thank you for participating in South Air's award-winning rewards program. Your business is important to us. Please stay on the line while our representatives answer customers in the order in which they call. While you're waiting, why not consider pushing the speaker button on your phone and going into the kitchen to make yourself some toast? Say, toast, if you intend to go into the kitchen and follow our suggestion. Say, cheese, if you intend to melt cheese on top of the aforementioned toast. Toast. I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. Did you say toast or roast? Toast. If you intend to cook a roast, you need to press the pound key and enter the weight of your roast in grams. Your business is very important to us. Please don't hang up. Please stay on the line while we send someone out of the building to see if they can find out what happened to our service representative. Say number one, or number two, if you can't stay on the phone any longer because you very badly need to use the bathroom. Say manslaughter if you feel like killing someone. Press or say three if you'd like to hear a list of the many rewards that are available to you as a Fly Miles participant. Welcome to the Fly Miles Reward Center. We hope your roast was delicious. Clap your hands and press or say one if you're happy and you know it. Press or say two if you'd like to lie down under the wheels of the bus as they go round and round. 
press or say 3 if you'd like to return to the main menu. Welcome to the South Air Rewards Hotline. Para continuar en el español, presione el número 2. Ute on Dinuke in ye digpe abne, respe unwe. This call may be monitored to ensure that any intimacy between you and our representatives is kept to a minimum. Press or say. She don't like her eggs all runny. She thinks crossing her legs is funny. She looks down her nose at money. She gets it on like the Easter bunny. She's my baby. I'm her honey. I'm never gonna let her go. He ain't got laid in a month of Sundays. I caught him once and he was sniffing my undies. He ain't too sharp, but he gets things done. Drinks his beer like it's oxygen But he's my baby and I'm his honey Never gonna let him go In spite of ourselves We'll end up sitting on a rainbow Against all odds Honey, we're the big door prize We're gonna spike Our noses right off of our faces there won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. She thinks all my jokes are corny Convict movies make her horny She likes ketchup on her scrambled eggs Swears like a sailor when she shaves her legs She takes a licking and keeps on ticking I'm never gonna let her go He's got more balls than a big brass monkey He's a whacked out weirdo and a love bug junkie Sly as a fox, crazy as a loon Payday comes and he's a howling at the moon But he's my baby, I don't mean maybe I'm never gonna let him go In spite of ourselves We'll end up sitting on a rainbow Against all odds Honey, we're the big door prize We're gonna spike Our noses right off of our faces there won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. We're gonna spike our noses right off of our faces. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes.
in spite of ourselves. The late John Prine and singer Iris DeMent with a tune he penned called In Spite of Ourselves. My Third Best Friend by Jack Handy. I've been saying it for so many years in private, I think it's high time I said it publicly. My wife Brenda is not only my wife, she's my third best friend. That's right, of all my friends in the world, and I'm guessing if you added them up, there would be more than a dozen. I rank her below only two other people. My best friend, I would have to say, is Jerry Blake, mainly because we work together and because we eat lunch together quite a bit. Jerry and I get along very well, although sometimes he can get cranky, especially when the pollen count is high. Also, I suspect that some of the things I tell him in confidence, he reports back to our boss. He's not perfect, but still overall I'd have to rank him number one. My second best friend is Pete Garcia, simply by virtue of the fact that we roomed together in college. I haven't actually seen him in many, many years, but I get a greeting card from him and his family almost every Christmas. Sometimes I feel like calling him up and recounting some of the crazy things we did in college, but his phone number is unlisted, and I'm not sure where he works these days. As I said earlier, my third best friend is my wife, Brenda. One of the main reasons she is ranked so high is that she has actually saved my life on several occasions. The last time she saved my life, we were up at Crystal Lake. I was several yards out in the water floating on my air mattress. Brenda was on shore preparing dinner over the campfire she had built. She was making my favorite meal, this French thing with truffles and scallops and other stuff. I can't remember what it's called, even though she's told me many times. I was relaxing comfortably when suddenly I felt one of my feet slip overboard. The abrupt feeling of water around my previously dry foot caused me to panic. I began thrashing about wildly. The more I struggled to regain control of my bobbing craft, the more that very control seemed to slip away. Finally, in a blur of white water, the air mattress flipped over. I choked and gagged, but somehow managed to maintain a grip on it. I made a bargain with God that if he would get me out of this, I would buy a better, more stable air mattress. I cried out to Brenda. She did not hear me the first couple of times, a fact that I still gently rib her about to this day. But on the third or fourth yell, she did hear me and sprang to my rescue. She threw off her shoes, raced to the edge of the cliff, and dove in. I'll be honest, I never knew she could dive like that. She plummeted the 50 feet or so to the water in near-perfect form. I think it would have been perfect if she hadn't let her feet sort of drift apart a little bit before entry, but so what, really? What's important is that I was sure glad to see her swimming toward me, as by now I was losing my grip on my beloved air mattress. Crystal Lake is said to be home to the rainbow trout. Several rangers swore up and down that no one had ever been attacked by any of these trout, but that's probably what they say about everything. Oh, that bear won't hurt you. Oh, that beaver is harmless. Anyway, as I held on for dear life, I thought I saw a rainbow trout right under my arm. Whoa, I yelled and flung myself backward. Loss of contact with the air mattress aroused some sort of primeval flapping instinct in me. My hands and arms slapped the water repeatedly as I tried to stay afloat. The mattress seemed to drift away as in a dream. After what seemed like forever, although I'm sure she was actually very prompt, Brenda swam up to me. Grab hold, she said, extending her hand. 
Well, I guess I sort of lost control because Brenda claims I started clawing and scratching her, trying to literally climb on top of her to escape the water. I don't exactly remember it that way, but I'll take her word for it. Finally, she subdued me, as she puts it, with a powerful chokehold that was, in my opinion, much rougher than necessary. I had bruises for days. Just before we reached the shore, I guess I sort of panicked again as I thought I heard another rainbow trout swimming right alongside of us. I managed to wrench myself free from Brenda, and I'm not sure how, make it the final few yards to land. Still, I would have to count that as a save by Brenda, even though technically she didn't bring me all the way in. Brenda has saved my life at least three other times, but I don't think we need to go into those times right now. The main thing is she's very loyal and honest and sincere, all of which help her maintain that third place ranking. I would say my fourth best friend is a guy named Cal down at the garage where I get my car fixed. I guess he's really more of an associate than a friend because we haven't really done anything together. But he's generally friendly to me when I bring my car in, so that's pretty good. You've been listening to my third best friend from a collection called What I'd Say to the Martians, written by Jack Handy.
Mighty Sparrow wrapping things up with a truncated version of Gene and Dinah. That's all for Podcast 22, folks. Thanks for listening. This is Joe Weber saying so long. Mm-hmm.